Yes, 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 yes. Hey guys, Gerald Peters. Um, welcome to the mini thing. Crazy day today. One of our stocks in the trading inside the Money Flow Trading Society or follow along with my free newsletter, the Peters Report. One of our stocks, Lord Motors or Ride, ticker symbol R-I-D-E. What a cool ticker, right? Flying today. He was up north of 10%. Bam! Going into the close. Some negative news comes out. I haven't read it yet. I, I thought it said, based on Jim Cramer's response of, quote, disgusting, end quote, I'm going to say it was pretty bad. And I thought it said they didn't have enough money to go to production, but could be wrong. You know, can they get credit extended? Can they get loans? Can they... You know, can they borrow some money? That's going to lower the share price, you know, likely. <clears throat> you know, is that good? No, it's not good. You know, my position's not huge. Now, the only saving grace is I sold 25% of my position at the high today, only to watch it get smashed down. So, you know, that's something. So, I'm at a 75% position as it's pulled back, so. Gave us a little money. Um, I'd like to deploy that to ticker symbol Z, Zillow. And I would like to um, maybe add to ARC funds upon any weakness here. Any weakness, we'll look to add to ARC funds. Um, but other than that, like it's been an exciting week. If you've read the Peters Report or if you're a member of the Money Flow Trading Society, if you look in the beginning of the newsletter, what I'm kind of doing is just kind of just throwing out some big picture thoughts. Um, on Sunday, I try to Sunday night kind of commentate about what I'm, uh, you know, um, I'm going to try to do this more consistently where I kind of commentate what I, what I'm seeing for the week coming ahead. You know, what I expect, I mean, not that I know, um, more of a, you know, market should move up, market should move down kind of statement, um, based on what we're seeing on the technicals. That's all I can say. And so part of the strategy of the money flow trading system, if you've ever caught me on YouTube or uh, listened on Instagram or whatever, or read the book, The Money Flow, is whatever it's doing, I just kind of assume it's going to keep doing. So if it's in an uptrend, I just assume it stays in an uptrend until the indicators become overbought, which tells me price is probably a little too high. And at that point... We uh, look to downsize things, and we start selling shares. I mean, that's the basic idea. And so what I'm basically trying to do is, in a sense, is play chess. Really, I'm trying to move pieces across the chessboard, and it's it's a portfolio of money, of shares, and I'm holding them, and I'm adding to them, and I'm trading, and as, as I'm right and we do well, I take money off, right? And I put it on to, put it on to, um, what I think are the better opportunities. And maybe it's that stock. Maybe that stock goes really high. We want to ride them as high as they want to go. Go look at Clove, C-L-O-V. A lot of people on the social platforms were posting about Clove. Obviously, a lot of us were in Clove because I want to say it was up 80-something percent today. Uh, shit, at one point, I think it was up 100, 100 percent. Let's see. Let's pull up Clove. It's what you want for it's what you want for uh, 
podcasting is the guy pulling up stock charts. It's kind of like reading tarot cards over the radio, right? Like, I just want to see the percentage. Hold on. I'm outside here. So, closed at $22.15. Yesterday, this stock closed at 12 bucks. The money flow gave you a breakout signal at $8. Now, here's what I don't know. I didn't know this stock would go this high. See, that game comes from what? Research, um, fundamental research, possibly, like trying to stay ahead of trends, right? This may be where you use your gut and your instinct. I tend to rely on charts for this. And one of the things I do, like, listen, I trade gold. I just assume gold wants to go up. That doesn't mean gold can't go down. But the further gold goes down, the more I'm excited about the possibility of gold going up. Make sense? And if it's going down, I assume it's going to keep going down until the indicators become oversold. What we call oversold. And then I wait. And what am I looking for? I'm looking for it to form a box. So I need like at least four days, hold to bottom, move sideways, um, move sideways. And inside of that box, I'm going to look to start accumulating shares. We just want to drip in at first. Because we don't know if it's the exact bottom. We just know what bottoms look like, right? We don't know if it's the exact bottom, but we do know what bottoms look like. And so as the bottom begins to form, or what is called stage one accumulation, if you have the book, look in the book, read the newsletter, I think it's on, what, page 17? I don't remember. No, 9 or 11, I think. Anyway, where it shows the four stages of price movement. The moving average indicators, right? 5, 10, 20, 200. Those are the ones I'm looking at. Those are the big four. What else? We got the MACD histogram on there. What does this do? It's giving us insight into momentum. Where's momentum? And what I'm looking for is the slope on that. What's the slope on the momentum? What is the slope of the momentum? And if the slope is to the upside, and I get my four bars making a box, and I can get some sort of price sideways accumulation, now we can look at fundamentals. What's the value of this company? Do you understand its business model? You say, why is that important? Well, I've just found this game gets easier if you trust the company. Once you lose trust in the company, it's a good time to just drop that stock from your portfolio. Like, fuck anything I say, anything any other influencer says. The moment that you don't have faith or feel like you can't have faith or don't want to have faith in a stock or an asset or a company, you're going to have a very hard time prospering because in your lifetime, in the cycles, you're going to hit these things. So what I've discovered, nothing wrong with weighting these assets. You could weight them, which is kind of the approach that I take, meaning I want to put most of the money or I want to begin rotating the money to the ones that have the most upside potential. And then as they begin to realize that upside potential, as stocks move higher, 
because one of my core beliefs is stocks go higher. They want to go higher. Now they can go lower, but they're going to stop because, well, they want to go higher. And so they move in these stages. One, break out, drift higher, go higher, top out, put in a box, move sideways, drop down, right? Start to descend down, go into a stage four decline, go down. Guess what? So fear and greed moves the market. Not logic. Logic can play in. And I think ultimately, as prices swing in this pendulum of left to right, which we see in the form of on a chart, up or down, sideways, right? That's what we're seeing. So as price moves through these four stages, accumulation, the breakout or the markup, stage three, distribution, prices start to become disputed, distri distributed, distributed, right? To the point where sellers overwhelm the buyers and we, we pull it down. Bitcoin. Look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin was just a trillion dollar asset. If you don't own Bitcoin, wow. Let's just pretend, let's just, I mean, we gotta throw some money at that just because, right? Think about it. If houses became 50% price in your area, your first instinct, own more houses or no? When prices go on sale, when stocks get their cheapest, when times look the worst, that's the very bottom, that is the pivot point of the stage four decline. It's the lowest day of the fucking move. Down, 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 pivot point. Now, every day along the way, price is putting in a pivot point. Meaning if tomorrow's low, okay, and then we wake up and it goes even lower, what is that? Pivot point. The day changed. Today's now the lowest. And you say, yeah, Gerald, but what if it goes down then tomorrow it opens up even lower? Good. The pivot point goes down lower. The pivot point moves with it. So the pivot point is the highest point of where price reached for that stage. Now some of you are like, what are you talking about? Think back to the stage one, the stage four, three, I mean. Think about the stage one and the stage three. Just the general chart pattern. Put aside the five-day, 10-day, 20-day, 200, all that bullshit. You just see the price moving up and down. You may or may not know what I'm referring to. I'm referring to out of the book, The Money Flow. Now, here's the thing. I'm no great author. I didn't write. I'm not Stephen King. I'm not very entertaining. I get mad a lot. I want people to do better. I want people to own lots of different investments. You know? Like, if you're just starting, we've got to get you to five or ten stocks. I mean, we have to. We got to get you some different assets, man. You got to get some Bitcoin in there. You got to get some bonds in there. I know people are like, bonds? Why would you say bonds? Bonds have been destroyed, man. I'm not saying they can't go lower. I know they can go lower. But here's what I know. It just doesn't go straight down and go to zero. That's not how life works. 
life cycles. It moves in four stages. I call it the money flow. And as I watch these things going sideways, then riffing higher, here's what I figured out. It's not based on logic. Like if you could just sit down and look at the public markets, go to the stock market and go, okay, I'm a pretty smart guy. I'm just gonna sit around and think about stocks all day. So you sit in your chair in your fucking kitchen, Mr. Smart. You're smart, right? So make money. Here, here's money. Make it appear on your computer. How do you do that? There are people who get up every day and they have billions of dollars and that's their mission. They got a billion fucking dollars and they need money coming back from this money. The people who entrusted it to them want them to make money with this money. So when they're sitting in their kitchen, they really are thinking, what assets should I buy? Do you think they're buying? You think they're waiting, see the news, bunch of tweets, jump on a stock after it's run really high? No. They're the ones that put out the news to get you to jump on those stocks to buy those stocks. So we got to get on the other side of that trade. Listen, I don't follow Wall Street bets. I probably should. Maybe I should. Fuck, I don't know. I don't. Here's what I do. I just follow sectors. Just pick one. Just, just pick a sector. Look, fuck it. Solar. I don't even do solar. <laughs> just pick solar. And you say, why didn't you do solar? I just couldn't see it working. You know, but I've got this wrong. Like, there's a couple stuff. I just couldn't see it working, and it worked. And I missed out. So it's not just solar. Like, it's happened to me in a bunch of different things. But other ones I got right. And that's part of the game, meaning it don't matter how smart you are, man. I know a lot about the stock market and PE and fundamentals, and we can do, you know, we can do the calculation for book value. You know, we could do, uh, you know, uh, uh, we could sit down and do all these fundamental calculations, right? We could do that for real estate. And that's important. And I'm not saying you don't study the tiny details to, you know, to really improve your game. But the main goal is to get money in the game, right? The main goal first is to stack money, to get assets, to get shit going, to be in a state of accumulation. Like we're trying to accumulate. We're trying to accumulate. And I think if you stay to that mindset, that prices tend to move up. My neighbor just passed by. They always think I'm crazy. They're like, who the fuck is he talking to? Babbling about stocks. And I said, man, I got 3,000 people I talk to. What are you talking about? I told my neighbor the other day. I said, Bro, that book I gave you you didn't read 10 years ago? I sold thousands and thousands of them, man. Thousands of them. He said, really? I gave him the book. He returned it. Two days later, I opened my door. There's the book. Why'd you give it back, bro? He says, oh, man, it look cool. <laughs> I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at you for knowing about the game and not being more serious about it. Now, if I'm speaking to the choir, good, good. So back to what I was saying, we want to get you some oil assets. Like, if you make some real coinage, man, you need to start building a buy and hold stock portfolio. Stop bullshitting. And you're going to put money in every month. And in chapter 10 of my free ebook called Dogs of the Dow, go look. I own all these fucking stocks. I show them to them on my lives all the time. I own those stocks. 
And for years and years, I've been just putting money in those stocks. When they would set up on stage ones, I'd buy two, three shares. You know? Buy a share. And if I get one stock that really takes off, so much so that it, you know, it's a stage three, depending on the rest of the portfolio, I might sell into a little bit into that strength, or what I like to call trim. I want to trim it. Why? Give me that. Give me a little hundred. Give me a hundred. Give me a hundred. And then I'm going to add a hundred. See, a lot of times I like to trim and then match it. Now think about what I just said. This is kind of game I'm playing with myself. So I trim a hundred. I need to get a hundred in there. Why? Because I'm going to buy 200, man. But I want to buy 200 of the stage ones, man. What if I don't see anything right away? That's cool. I mean, don't fuck, don't put money in when it's gone past. Like, hold that money back, and we'll look for something new. Like, I'm, I'm adding. I'm, I'm out. I'm usually turning or churning one or two stocks a month for sure. Sometimes more. And some, I'll, you know, I, let's say I scale it back. And I had 100 shares at the $10 range, let's say. And it goes from $10 to like $1.60. You know, we're up, man. We're up 60%. So I say, hey, sell a little bit. We sell like a fourth. Why? So we can get that cheese so we can buy something else. Oh, but we're going to add something to the account too, right? Right. See, if you're just waiting on the wins, you're going to get there. But you're going to go twice as fast when you're matching those wins or in the philosophy of always putting money in, right? And you're committing to the process. And so as you go forward... Being smart with your money, getting your credit right, watching the buckets, not buying dumb shit, getting your shit tight, right? Like it's a whole life philosophy. Being a good trader, being a good investor, being able to take advantage of a, a drop in Bitcoin. Dude, I'm trading Bitcoin for life. <laughs> Does it matter really where it goes if it goes past, the, if it goes back to the previous high? I mean, seriously. Is it inconceivable that Bitcoin goes back to where it was? It's done it every year for 10 years. It's entire life, it's made a new high. The only way you don't make money in this trade is that Bitcoin never gets back to where it was. Never. This is literally it. You literally came in at the end and the death of Bitcoin. Really? <laughs> this is it. I mean, people played Tesla that way. How many people play Tesla that way? All in, all out. Got shook out on every stage one. They didn't use them to build positions. They were just trying to get out, man. I want to avoid all that down to Fuck it. I'm a tight swing trader, man. Out. Give me my money. I'm a wait. You can do that. And if you're on top of it, as long as you get back into it, you're going to stay on track. And you can avoid most of the stage four decline. Maybe you sell half. And you ride some down, you're waiting for what? A new stage one or a new breakout. Otherwise, you ain't playing. You cut your position to a position that you're cool holding. You'll hear me say this all the time. We did this on space. We rode it up, got an extreme overbought signal. I said, listen, this is a pivot point. Every dollar past here is just a bonus, man. I'm going to scale back to what I'm cool just riding up and down. Why? Because I want to position this stock. I think this stock plays in the, in, in the world in the future. So as I get richer in life... I want to get bigger in this stock. So in other words, me and this stock are connected. I'm going to own. And this half, this half that I'm talking to you about, this gets bigger over time. What if we did that? 
What if you played that game with Zoom from $50 up? What if you were playing that game right now with DraftKings? Baby, we're playing DraftKings forever. From here on out, man. When DraftKings is a $250 stock, you're going to be like, yeah, man. Bought 100 shares back there, 48, bro. And now you got $25,000. But in the meantime, it may run up, hit some stage threes, right? We take some down, it pulls back. What do we do? We load it back up. The second round, we may be buying $10, $15 higher than the other round. Why? Because the stages are alive, man. The money flow's alive. It's alive. It is moving. Stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. Stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. It's alive. The charts, the movement of price, the reasons don't matter. Now, there's people who try to play those reasons. I can't move that fast. I don't want to move that fast. I don't need to move that fast. I don't need to move to every ripple. I need to let time work for me. I need to let time build these stages. That's the game I'm playing. The only way that game works is I stick to it. This game doesn't work if you break wheat. Hey, this is Cheryl Peters. Thanks for listening to The Money Flow. Um, hope that helps give you some visual insight as well, some audio insight into the book. If you're not following along with me, just simply go to thepetersreport.com. Uh, maybe come trade with us. Maybe not. Pick up the book. If you don't have my book, you don't have to die broke. That's always free, man. That's my that's my mission to the world is just to let you know. You, you, you don't have to like me, but you ain't got to die broke. Technology is in your hand. This smartphone opened up the world of Wall Street to me and you. Every one of us have everything we need right here in our hand to do what Warren Buffett does. Now, I mean, listen, I know there's a few. I get it. There's some things he does with options. There's some. And you're going to hear me smash on that. I just do that. I don't want people to just get started playing with that stuff. And if you've been in it for a minute, you know I'm right. Okay? You know I'm saying the right thing. My goal is to help people, equip people, train them a little bit. But the one thing I can't give you is courage. I can't give you courage. I can't instill that into you. But if you can instill that into yourselves, I think I can help you with the others. God bless. Oh, that lady. She's not that... getting dirty. She's sending people in to do shit. So you're... Well, that tells me then that she has no creativity and she's sure as shit not going to pick up. She could just be new. This could be her first deal. Right, but this is the the group we're t you know we're talking about. Right, is this new you know this is my first. I so you would tell her, hey, you should be over here taking some of those boards off with them. I would tell her. You should her, be dirty over here. Why aren't you over here? Why aren't you over here getting dirty? Right. Why aren't you over here doing the demo? And who do you know that's crawled under it? Or the right. and, and I mean, girls can do that. Let's be. If you're a 30 year old woman, you can put on a jumpsuit and grab a fucking. And if you're truly terrified that a raccoon might grab you, there are weapons. Well, or you ask somebody that you know that's a guy to go underneath the house because you're petrified, and I won't go under a house. Period. Well, I'm just saying. Some people get up every day and put a gun on, and they go be cops. Right. You get up, put a headlamp on, crawl underneath the house. Like, right. I, but I won't Rarely do Rarely are you going to run into anything. <laughs> but I'm not doing that. Okay. But if you had a good foundation In guy, he could do it for you. In yeah. In Texas, I'm not doing that. But here's what I know. 
There are no human beings that go under a house like I do and then crawl over and look at the plumbing. Except crawl. for Dave Dirkscheid. Do you think they do that? David? I don't think our plumbers, when they're working, look and go, oh, you have a no. drywall problem. They don't. David, on his houses, I know he crawls under his houses. Right. I have had... I know James crawls under his houses. I've had Joe. When he was younger. I've had Joe tell me about something that had nothing to do with foundation. Right. Like, he goes, how come, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah. Like, he noticed something that wasn't even their thing. Right. And then I was like, oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of what it was. It was something to do with drywall or something. No, but the Larry... Well, Larry's probably too old to be crawling under houses anymore, but I'm sure he crawled under his fair share of houses. I know James did. But this is what Rick did. Rick would buy a property and be there all day. Right. In his truck. And then, and he would have three of these going. And he would just bounce. Right. And then to make money, other people hired him to do house things. Right. He, he didn't do them. He had two dudes that he paid cash. Right. And they did them. Right. He was lucky, though, because he was able to find two dudes right. to do shit. And then when there were no paying jobs, he really didn't give a shit because he had his own. Right. Well, what he did is he took his profits. Which is what we did with Roberto. See, what Rick became is what I was thinking in my mind with when we did that, but I couldn't see what the way Rick was doing it. He, some people go the route of, I'm going to become a realtor right. to build this little real estate business. Right? No, Rick said, I'm gonna get a drill. Like, I'm gonna know everything. Right. And he would just buy it, and then he knew how to do all the work they were doing. Like, he was a master carpenter. He had all kinds of tools. Right. And, but then he would get it going, and he'd be like, hey, come take over this. Well, and you know, and that's one of the things, you know, like with this woman that's just sitting, you know, that, you know sitting there with her pretty little nails in her right. purse. When we first started purchasing properties, you had CXC to to maintain and run, and because that's where the money was coming from. Right, you to have to have everything. another money source to buy houses. Right, I was the one over there at the houses all the time, talking to the contractors, et cetera, et cetera. When I was there, I was watching, and I was asking questions. Why are we doing it this way? Why can't we do it this way? Explain this to me. Not being a bitch, really just want to know. Right. HVAC, same thing. Electrical, same thing. She's going to take them, whatever they say is as valid. Right. If I'm standing that there and I'm asking questions. The they had was way too fat to be good. <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, looking at this guy and I'm thinking, I have never in my, I'm trying to think. Right. No. Not picking on fat people. I'm just saying, when you look out of place and you're working there, and he was the he's their carpenter. Did you see him? Uh-huh. I mean, he's was bigger than your. I mean, he's big, and he was dying, dude. Like oh, he I was bet. outside dying in that heat, and they were cutting something, and it looked like I mean, it looked like me doing it, but I do it just out of necessity. It it, it would be odd for a professional to do it this way, because they would have work tables and they were like using paint buckets outside to hold things, you know, to cut right. it. I remember thinking, they're working on four houses? And they're prof- like professionals. Like, this is what they do every day? And that's the way you're doing it? That's not a professional. You would have tables and 
Like if you're doing it for a living, right? You would have tools. Like you, it's easier for people to do it for a living, right? Rick and them would roll up and they had you know vans. That's why I've always wanted a trailer where I can pull all my shit out, set right. it up, do my thing, and then put it all back in there and leave. No, Rick owned two vans. They were his, right? But they were company vans, and they would be parked. They they had a four bedroom, two bath that was their office. That was his second home. Right. Literally. And it was a house. And it was an area where it was zoned for business, though. And then he had the parks, the yard taken in because it was zoned for business. And made a big-ass parking lot instead of a, a yard. And so it was one of those areas where now there's a dairy queen. Like, you know, it was houses. Right. And he just turned that bitch into an actual office. But it was a home. And um, they, they parked the vehicles there. They come in. There's a lady at the front who will take meet the renters. Right. And so as he's stacking houses, you think about it, you've got 40 rental properties. 22 of them are paid for. And you got two dudes you pay cash. And he talked about like some months, the only reason the business kept going was those that money coming in on rent. Like they would have no jobs. Right. His dudes would just be, you know, he would just have them out changing filters and cleaning, just making shit up. Go clean all the, uh, right. which gave them ex exemplary maintenance over other people, but he's paying them with cash flow. And so, he, you know, for him, he said, was he needed 40% of them paid for. That was the magic number. I mean, he had formulas, like on a wall, like the size of the portfolio, how much is borrowed. Yeah, because what he was doing is he was using the cash flow on the properties that were mortgaged right, to pay for workers. Or that weren't mortgaged to pay for everything else. Right, and he said they would start paying bills at the office and work out. So it got to where they were collecting 92,000 a month in rent. Mm -hmm. He's got six people total. Two part-time maintenance guys, right. his son, and then another kid. They always had like a young dude, like 18. They were just a grunt boy. <coughs> that right. one's constantly changing. And uh, but the two old dudes would pay cash. They only worked four hours a day, and they worked every day. And he said they, in their four hours, they'd get more done than his son and that other dude usually. Almost definitely. Because they would start and go drinking after that. Like, um, but paint spray guns. So when they roll up on a house, man, he'd paint it a day. Right. I mean, two days. That one guy would literally be, first crew would be scraping, caulking, and as they're finishing as they're coming around that other dude's coming around taping it right. and as they're coming around he's like you know they're on it man right that's what he said they got to where they could move through there and everyone does the same thing so the kid hits and he's cliffing up all the shit they you know you know how you do your initial clean and then you go to making a mess yeah like i was telling somebody they say well first thing you want to do is clean it even though it's all fucked up clean it up well, you don't know what you're dealing with. Right, and then you... fuck it up again, and then clean it up, and just keep doing it. Well, the other part that. of it is, is that you go to paint something, and it's got right. gunk on it, you're going to be repainting. Right, but our timeline, the way me and you move, is so slow compared to, if, imagine if I had two dudes that worked with me, and all they did was... Right. Like, this would all be done tomorrow. Well, if just you and I... Right had eight hours a day we should try that I'm not well see you're going to start hurting under the heat 
Like me and you could hit all these boards. I could plan it out and I bet and have them all down in three hours and we're gonna find problems. Right. Run to Home Depot, come back. I might have to put new, I may have to put some more foundation shit under there. We'll do the brick things with the, you know, the column. Oh. That'd be the easiest way. Oh, under the porch? Right. I think in the center I need to shore it up. That doesn't need to be Joe level foundation. That just needs to be a solid board, a two, four by four. I may have to hammer it in there a little bit. Right. That's solid, you know, for the next 10 years. Yeah, I don't even know what spot you're talking about, but okay. This porch, it, it runs, <clears throat> it connects to the framing. Okay. That was an after thing. It doesn't run under the house. Okay. So there's, there's two by 12s backed up in a square right there. And these are connected into it. Oh, where the steps were. Right, where the okay, where that you, porch is. You, no, that was that was original to the house. It was that second section that wasn't. No, either way we'll see. Either way it's the same. This this part right here. This this was original. Right, right, right. No, I'm saying the way they built it. You see where the boards stop against the wall? Yes. There's a two by twelve right there. Right. Right, right, that's what I'm saying. And so you can pop all these boards out and do a whole new thing. And I may have to run a new 2x12 across there for... Oh, because of right. rot. Because this, this was only supposed to be the step up. Right. On both sides. But we, if, if you helped me, we could do all of that in less than a day. In a day, I could do all that. I could pop all those out, yeah. change them, put in new ones. Because you just, you got to get aggressive on the rip out. And I, I, what I've been using, my big drill, I just drill a hole in there and then pop them out clean the boards we could do the siding too pop off the sides yeah i need to get some galvanized nails because really all we need are this step up right this right here it was all i wanted in the first place right but then we had sarge yeah because we got rod over here on the siding right but that's t72 siding that's what i'm saying i can right. go get this from mccoy's and we got rod over here because of this thing right. sitting here. This section has to get pulled out. When you're ready to help, I'm saying if and I had all help, of this, I can do it a honestly, lot. Honestly, the reason you're it, it it had it needed to be sanded. Right. I also used some of the wrong shit there. Some of this I was still learning things. Yeah, but a, it, a lot of it needed to be sanded. I know. I mean, I learned a lot. I know a lot more now. Um, and it that belt sander. Right. Now, you can't do that. No, but if you're buy if that's a rental property and you're buying it, you know how much are you valuing that? How much is that taking your price down? Like that's people don't know what to do with that. And in any way, does that devalue our house to you? No. Didn't even cross your mind, right? No. Right. Well, if someone's looking at a rental property, they got to deal with that. They can't let a renter have that. We would never leave that in a rental property. No. We don't care. I mean, we care. We're but gonna, to be honest, we're going to change it out. But it ain't property, hurt. It doesn't devalue it either. <clears throat> we're going to look at it to purchase it. But we would never have a porch with rot on the on it like that in the center where they could fall through. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that when I'm looking at a rental house to purchase, right. And I see shit like that. I don't think it's devalued the house. Right. But do you know how much that board is? About mm, twelve bucks a board right now. Right. I know. So, <clears throat> that's, but, but that's what people need to know. Right, but that's a fix. 
That's a fix. That's not even in the cost analysis for me. No, because it's like under a It's a fix, bucks. but that's, that's only because, you know, we're capable of popping that board off. Right. What if you're not? That lady across the street, she's not doing that. So that's right. not a and, and fucking fix. Kicker. That's a... Re- and here's the kicker. She could do the demo. Right. And if she didn't know how to cut the boards and all that good exactly. shit, exactly, hire somebody to do that part right. of it. And that's one of the things that I was going to, I was trying to teach people. Because you don't have to actually be skilled. People are like, "Well, how'd you learn?" I'm like, "What to carry out trash?" Yeah. Like you can do to your level right now, and you know way more than you think you do. You can clean it all up. Demo is one of the most expensive <clears throat> things to do. Right. To pay somebody to do that, any fucking moron can do. Right. But what scares people, when you take this off, when you take that trim off, uh-huh. and then you pop that drywall off, all you have left is two by fours. Okay. Yeah, I know, but most people, they're not seeing houses like two by fours. Right. It scares them. So if we had to rebuild this closet, man, I'm, I'm not even writing that down. <clears throat> like when, meaning, but if you're taking, let's say you're buying 50 units, you gotta add all that in. like. That's a different game, right? Right. You got to hire a crew. Right. That just became a $40,000 problem. Yes. For me, buying a rental property, it ain't, it don't matter one way or the other, right? No. One, and the other part too is when you have 50 units and you're having to do it to all 50 units, they're not salvaging that wood. No, they're not taking that kind of time. It's out the door. Right. It's just trash. They're getting paid per day. When you're doing a single property... You would kindly and nicely remove those boards if. if right, we take it off. Look, cut back the drywall, pull it off. Right, <laughs> you know, and you salvage that shit. And that's the other thing too with the real estate game that um, I know that bitch across the street's gonna fuck up. She could be rich just playing. Sometimes the richies like to play in there. 